Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Want to do a tech detox but not sure how to disconnect? Stay tuned for this next episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., and I'm sitting in a shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza. And that means one thing. That means it's time for Tech Bites, the weekly program where we talk about food and technology. And typically, we talk about technology that is new and happening and bringing food to your door, to your inbox, to your iPhone. And today, we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit, and we're going to talk about disconnecting from your technology because as much as I love it I kind of need to leave it every now and again so to help us disconnect from our tech today is Paul K. Alexander who is a New York City based acupuncturist martial artist and all around amazing person Oh, hi (laughs) and he is going to help talk us through um, some ideas on disconnecting and making a really good case and sharing some reasons why we really need to do that. But before we get started, we will start like we always do, um, the show like a good meal with an appetizer and we'll go around and we'll talk about the different apps that we like, that we're using, that we love. And today in the booth, we have, playing the part of Jack Inslee, Liz Smith. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be a part of Tech Bytes. We love to have you, and you usually have something interesting for us on the app front. Yeah, even though it feels a little funny to be talking about favorite apps, and then we're going to switch gear and drop all the apps and go off the grid. Yeah, I'm completely aware of the (laughs) irony that we're going to use tech and podcast tech and app tech to talk about disconnecting from tech well with that in mind i know that the kids are probably all about it and i'm very late to the game but i'm stepping up my periscope game um on the social media front so going forth and learning how to best broadcast live video from anywhere ever and uh, yeah I, i just have a lot to learn So what is your impetus for wanting to broadcast? Is it work stuff? Is it fun stuff? Do you want to become a Periscope reporter? I think that it's just taking... It's like taking Instagram to the next level. Instagram does have video, but it's not live video. So I guess that's my my impetus for, for trying to get on board. And because a lot of my favorite music artists are really going forth with Periscope. So if they want to give a, a, a... impromptu concert from their living room they can just say hey tune into my periscope and you're there which is so cool so liz do you have a handle on periscope i've just downloaded it yesterday so in the upcoming weeks i will up my game and i'll have to report back so do you want to tell people how, what your handle is so they can find you and follow you though it is liz the smith so you'll see where i go from here <laughs> better or worse Is Liz the Smith all your social media, your Twitter, your Instagram? You got it. Okay, so find her, get her, follow her. (laughs) Wish me luck. Maybe you you can live uh, Periscope the next episode of Tech Bites that you engineer. There's an idea. Hey. People can see what happens on the radio. 
Paul, you're typically not a super app guy. You're more a real world guy. But do you have <laughs> apps that you like? Well, I like Square. I use it to uh, take credit card payments. I can also send invoices with it. So I'm not an app guy, but that's what I use right now, and I'm happy with it. That's good. So it it's a good point to make that Paul is not, you know, a, a guru in a cave. Completely not a part of the 21st century. <laughs> not yet, anyway. He does use technology in his life, so he's not a complete sort of tech Scrooge. So my app this week, actually, I'm going to give a little shout out to Jack when he listens to this episode in the future because he's not here. Earlier this year, Jack called out an app called Headspace, which is a free meditation app. And he had downloaded it onto his phone and he was going to get into it and maybe try meditating. He was also interested in having some tech-free Tuesdays, which I don't know definitively how that went, but I'm going to hazard a guess and say not really well. Headspace is an interesting app for meditation. Um, It's really charming. They have cute videos. They give really good explanations of why you would want to meditate, and they make it really easy. It's basically a breathing meditation versus uh, chanting, visual, or anything else. And you can download a free 10-session program, which is fun, and they'll kind of walk you through different stages. Up against that, I think, is also an app called Calm, which is also a breathing meditation app. And that is um, much, much more guided and does different things from just having you take a moment to take some deep breaths in a quiet space and look at a nice nature picture to having guided 10-minute meditation apps and little schedules and kind of evolving along that. So those are two kind of fun meditation apps or calm breathing apps Um, They are completely free of any philosophical point of view or religious point of view, meaning they're not Buddhist, Taoist, uh, transcendental, um, or they don't come attached to any kind of religion. So I think that makes it nice also. It's kind of just sitting quietly and listening to your breath and having maybe a calm moment. So those are the two apps. And then when Jack comes back, when he listens to this, maybe he can let us know how he did with his headspace experiment. I'm going to guess he didn't get past the first one, but we'll see. (laughs) So disconnecting from your tech. This is a show I've been wanting to do for a long time because we talk about technology and all of the technology we talk about on this show, you can really use from morning to night, 24 hours a day. And while it is certainly made parts of our lives wonderful and more productive and has allowed us to connect with people around the world in ways we could not before. There's also a piece of it where it's very overwhelming because it is 24-7, because it is connected to our work life as well as our private life. And the always-on nature of it kind of means it's always on and you never get a break. So... I like getting away from technology every now and again, and I confess that it is sometimes difficult for me to do that. So Paul is really uh, has a wonderful practice in New York City, and I've known him for a few years. When I was thinking about who would be a great person to come and do this, why not Paul? Because he's actually, you know, a real life 
person and real life friend. So let's bring him into the digital space as well. So one of the things that I think people struggle with just generally is being on our phones, being on our tech, we've sort of come to associate that with being successful or being productive or being important and being connected to people. And when Paul and I were um, talking last week about putting this episode together, we were talking about the Tim Ferriss books. And Tim Ferriss is a great, uh, interesting uh, author, writer. He experiences life and to the fullest and then kind of reports back about his experiences. And he really first came into the scene back in 2007 and he wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And back in 2007, the premise of this book was to reduce your work time to 4 hours a week so you could be off email, off the desk, out of the office, and out living life and doing things that you wanted to do. And to him and to everybody who read the book and put it on the New York Times bestseller list for years and years and years, the measure of success in this case was how little time you spent on the internet and how little time you had to spend working and how much time you could spend out in the world. And I think somewhere between 2007 and now, we've almost flipped that. So I, I would say to Paul, you know, you talk to people all the time in, in your practice, and what are, the, what are the things that they come to you and say that they are trying to disconnect from? Yeah, I think the number one thing I get uh, is stress, right? And both Eastern medicine and Western medicines cite stress as the number one cause of all disease. Um, referring back to your, your uh, plug for headspace, I think you called it, yeah. you, you talked about the breath. Right, And um, that has to do with the autonomic nervous system where you've got two components. One is the sympathetic autonomic nervous system and the parasympathetic autonomic nervous system. The sympathetic is what we call the fight or flight, right? It's the doing, it's the action. And when we're responding to emails constantly, we're always in that doing state. So that's going to instigate a lot of stress, right? And then referring back to, you know, headspace, using the breath to calm it down, um, I see a lot of my, of my clients come in because they're stress-related and they're not sleeping enough. And it's because they're constantly responding to the emails and the stressors that that's going to bring as well. And it's an, in some instances, maybe you do have a, an email that comes into your inbox that is you know, life-threatening or you know, important to your security or your family's health. Yeah. But for the most part, they're not. But there's something about... The inbox, the text, the tweet, the, yeah. the, the notice from Facebook that creates some artificial sense of urgency. So uh, research shows now that what happens is when you get a message, when you get texted or you get an email, your brain secretes dopamine, which is the feel-good response, right? And it's, it also leads to addiction. So every time we get texted or an email... Immediately, we're feeling, oh, someone likes us. <laughs> so uh, it makes us want more and more and more. So it's this kind of uh, momentous thing where you keep going. The vicious cycle. Yes, exactly. So then chemically and physically speaking, you, your body has a positive reaction to a like and an email. Absolutely, yes. Which is crazy. It's totally crazy. So where's the balance point, right? So we talked about the sympathetic 
nervous system being engaged every time you respond to a stressful email. Um, and Chinese medicine is where I come from. We're always looking for balance points. So when clients come in and they're suffering from insomnia or stress-related situations, the first thing I, I would offer them is to take some deep breaths, right? Breathe. And I love how you said that uh, Headspace doesn't, um, it's not from a religious affiliation. Um, things that are simple usually offer the best um, results. So taking some deep breaths and not responding all the time and not looking at your phone <laughs> all the time, I think is where we're going with this right now. One, one thing that is uh, notable about what you've said is you're, you're talking about a balance. Yes. So yes. one thing about disconnecting from your tech, and in a minute we'll get into exactly how people can do that. From one sense, people are apprehensive because it seems like it's an all or nothing question either all tech no tech unplug you know screen free saturdays those kinds of things and on the one hand i think people like an extreme challenge you know an extreme diet an extreme training program so that you can feel like you've you know given something up or made a big change and you've suffered a lot and you know you can get some big big result and that's kind of one way of going at it to um kickstart something yeah but in terms of something that's sustainable, it is really about balance. So Absolutely. it's not necessarily about getting rid of all your tech. It's about balancing. Right, your day, your schedule. Um, I think, you know, having the practice of, for example, starting your day when you first wake up, um, not checking emails right away. There's healthier ways that kind of you can prepare yourself for that. Um, I'm always one to advocate taking a deep breath when you first wake up and just begin to list things that you're grateful for. So right at the get-go, you begin to feel this so-called attitude of gratitude. You feel like you're full of the things that you have. It could be as simple as you know saying thank you for the bed that you're sleeping on or the loved one next to you. Um, I personally always give thanks to my health and my body. And this is while you're in bed, before you've even gotten up, yeah. before you've when, when you switched f- on the lights, had a coffee. And especially before you check your emails, right? So you, you're just, you just wake up and you just, a simple thank you. You know, what a wonderful day, way to start your day. Say thank you. I also read somewhere, probably on the internet, <laughs> that um, when you first wake up in the morning, you're, um, because you've had the restful sleep, hopefully, yeah. you've had some sleep, your brain has had a chance to recharge that when you wake up in the morning, your brain kind of has a a great amount of potential in it. And so um, whatever you sort of decide to do in those moments when you're first waking up and getting things started will kind of set the stage for what you do for the rest of the day because it it's almost like a sponge and it's ready to kind of take everything on because it's, it's primed for that. Absolutely. And in, back into uh, Chinese medicine, the acupuncture system, the meridian system, separates the zones every two hours. So from usually from the hours from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. and from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. is associated with what we would call the lungs and the large intestine. And you know, we would associate that with respiration. But I prefer using the term inspiration, right? So taking that deep breath and asking yourself, what will inspire me today? You know, and the Greek inspiration comes from inspiritos, which means inspired by God. What will evoke that divine in me today? Like, what do I want to do? 
as opposed to immediately jumping onto that phone and you know checking your emails, you're beginning to assert yourself, your will. So yes, absolutely, your your will is very strong. Hopefully, because you had a good night rest and you're ready to kind of get a vision for what you want to do for the day, and hopefully that's congruent for what you want to do for your life. So people do often want to feel like they wake up and they jump right into being productive or starting to get things done or starting to check off their to-do list. If I don't pick up my phone, and uh, I think the recommendation is you try to stay off your phone for 30 to 60 minutes from when you wake up at yes, least, right? I think I'm a realist, too. I think 30 minutes is definitely sufficient. You can get a lot done. So, you know, starting your day, you wake up, you begin to evoke the attitude of gratitude. And as cliched as that is, if you guys give it a try for two weeks, you will begin to actually physically feel why that's wonderful. Then taking some deep breaths, 10 is all you really need, mindful breathing, and then just kind of stretching, doing some joint mobilization exercises, a light, little light stretching. And then what if, what, instead of going right off to what do I have to do, which already begins to evoke that, uh, that stress response, um, ask yourself, what do I want? Connect with yourself. You know, the breathing is unique because it's an involuntary muscle, but you have control over it, right? And what, as one of my teachers used to say, if you can control your breath, you can control your life. Right, so checking in with yourself with your breath, and then asking yourself, "What do I want?" Right, and, and when you say, "What do I want?" Is, I I'm, don't think you mean I want to win the lottery, I want a new pair of shoes, I you know <laughs> want courtside seats to the Knicks. Um, when you say, "What do I want?" Your intention for the day. Intention right? for the day. Yeah, which hopefully you have this vision for your life, right? And you want to make it as congruent for the day so that it pairs up with your vision for your life. And so, so the day sometimes can be long. I mean, especially, you know, in New York, we're busy. Your day can be 12 hours, 15 hours. Does the vision for the day have to be sort of meeting to meeting or is it a concept? Is it- It's a concept. Oh. I, I think if you get very specific, it kind of... Uh, it makes everything so micro and, and stress-related. So I'm always returning to that ultimate vision, right? What, what is the end goal? And hopefully you're pairing your, your vision, your intention for the day with that so that you can um, navigate with the demands of what you have to do. So what are some examples of thematic intentions for the day versus, you know, hyper-specific task-oriented So let's ones? say you want, to, uh, you want to feel the sensation of love, right? So how am I today going to feel that? Do, can I connect with a friend, a parent, a loved one? Um, having that in your mind. Because the unique thing about that is what you focus on, you feel. So if you begin to focus on um, the, the need to feel love and to connect with love, you're going to feel that phenomena energetically. So you would say something like, today I'm going to talk to my friends or try and talk to my family or... Yes. You know, something yep. simple like that throughout the course of the day. Yes. So that's what, that's what you want, right? It comes from your own accord, your own will. So that way, th there's no escaping stress. There's no way that we all have to deal with that, right? So rather than um, having to face that head on, you're asserting yourself first and your needs first and then dealing with what you have to do. So all in what you're talking about is maybe taking, you know, 20 minutes in the morning when you first wake up to sort of move to wake yourself up and set your day up yes without looking at technology but having your intention 
doing some deep breathing, some gratitude, some gratitude, yeah. and then sort of start your day with maybe an idea that you want to follow. Absolutely. It's about connecting to yourself. That's really what it comes down to before you have to deal with the demands of the world. So another thing that, um, something that I actually started to do, I typically keep, you know, calendars on, you know, Google calendar, iCalendar, phone calendar, all these different things. And, you know, the messages. And one of the things I would look at when I pick up my phone first thing in the morning is my calendar. But a very simple shift to paper calendar and a shift to a paper to-do list um, allows me also to kind of, after I do those things, take a look at what I'm going to do today or what I need to accomplish today or the things I want to do without having to look at the screen Yes, and go to the screen. Yes. And you're not getting, so off the screen itself, you've, there's these, uh, studies show there's these electromagnetic radiation coming off that where you don't have that if you're running on a piece of paper. So um, that's always, a, I think, a good idea to encourage people to decompress as much as they can from technology because, you know, studies are also showing now that these can lead to um, some pretty serious things like tumors and cancer and, um, and a compromised immune system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, while we all ponder that... Um, and no stress, no panic. Take some deep breaths during the break while we listen to some music from Rectech. And we hear from our sponsor, Cider Week in New York City. And if you've never had hard sparkling cider, this is the week to do it. bring profitability to local orchards while reviving heirloom apple varieties by cultivating awareness of craft cider. Cider Week connects cider makers from New York State and select pioneering guest cideries outside the state to buyers from top restaurants, bars, and retail shops across New York City. Those culinary tastemakers in turn help increase consumer awareness of cider's pleasures by hosting public events, tastings, dinners, classes, and pairings that build appreciation and demand for regional ciders. Well, if you're wondering what the hell you just clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network.org, the weekly radio show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we flipped the script a little bit. We are talking about how to disconnect a little bit from your technology. While it's amazing and wonderful and helps us do a lot of different things and stay connected to people, it also has turned into a 24 7 
addiction, black hole of time, monster that needs to be fed. And as much as I love it, I like to get away from it sometimes. And sometimes it's not so easy to do. So today we have Paul K. Alexander, who is a really um, wonderful and insightful New York City-based acupuncturist who also has a a very interesting background and experience in oriental medicine and martial arts. Paul, would you tell us a little bit about your very unique perspective between the martial arts and the oriental medicine? You know, what I love so much about the martial arts is that it gives you a a present sense of being, what it really feels like to be alive. Um, It's paradoxical because there's pugilism involved, right? You're fighting. But through that, you learn about yourself a lot and you realize what's important. And in order to maintain your training, you have to keep a healthy body. And the goal is to balance everything. Actually, the Okinawans have this phrase called san chin, which means uh, the three conflicts. They're referring to the conflict of the mind, the body, and the spirit. So the goal of the martial arts practice that I, I participate in is to balance the three conflicts. And that's very congruent with um, Eastern medicine. It's all about balancing the mind, body, and spirit. So balance is an important point, I think, when we talk about being a uh, successful, engaged person in the 21st century with your technology. And what we're talking about today is sort of how to manage and wrangle the tech monster and not completely get rid of it. Although getting rid of it completely sometimes is probably a good idea. Would you? <laughs> I don't know if that's at all possible, but you know, I think at the end we're going to talk a little bit about challenges. I think you said that people love these challenges like decompressing maybe for a weekend or something like that. I think that's good to develop an awareness of how addicted are you to your technology. And then from there, maybe you can kind of backtrack a little bit and come up with a routine of how much you're going to be on technology. So throughout the course of you know, your day, the day of someone you have social media you have your, your phone pinging with emails, phone calls, text messages. How do you start to step away from that on the day-to-day? Because we've had a nice piece on how to start your day. And that, to me, seems really manageable and really nice. There's also um, a lot of ritual, I think, built into just morning time that we have. You yeah. know, you wake up, you have a coffee or a tea or your breakfast. You maybe sit with people. You know, it's the beginning of the day. You know you're probably going to take a shower and get dressed. And so the morning time to me is really prime to have a thoughtful practice and, and change your the, the start of your day. Once you leave your apartment and kind of get out into the world... And it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing I notice all the time, which uh, you, those of you living in New York, I would ask you to take a look at this. When you're walking on the street, how many people have their head down typing on their, their uh, smartphone, right? And um, I get that's important, but I think there's a time and place for everything. And sometimes just, you know, there's a type of meditation called uh, walking meditation. And it's simply just you, you're walking and you're saying, I am walking. I'm walking with my head up. And you're, 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 citing everything that you're doing physically, which connects your mind and body together. If you're walking and you're saying, I'm typing on my smartphone, I don't know how productive you're going to be responding to an email, but you're disconnecting from what you're doing. And I think um, the balance point would be maybe finish your, your emails and take your walk to work and leaving it there. There's no need to constantly check your phone. There have also been a lot of studies done that say multitasking is a myth. 
that when you're sitting down and you think you're going to do five things at one time, you can start to engage in those five things at one time, but you're not actually doing each thing to its fullest. So they, the particular piece that I read, again, on the internet, um, talked about if you are listening to something, writing something, you know, while you're walking or in motion, the thing that you're listening to, you're not going to hear the entire thing. If, we, if you think of it maybe in terms of like, or if you're watching a movie and you think about the frames of film, your brain's going to drop every fourth frame because it's inputting the laundry that you're folding yeah. while you're watching the movie and then the phone call that you're having. So you think you're engaged in multiple activities at the same time, but you're actually dropping pieces of each one. And if they're activities that actually require or benefit from your full attention, then they're going to suffer. Yeah. Um, in Chinese medicine, we have this concept of the qi dynamic. And, you know, qi is feeling. It's your emotions. And if you're not fully present with each thing that you're doing, it scatters the qi. And the philosophy is when the qi gets scattered, uh, we, we say your wei qi gets compromised, your immune system gets compromised, so you can get sick easier. So yeah, I think, I think being a little bit more focused on what you're doing, it puts you in the present, it gives you kind of that the feeling of what needs to be done then and there, and then you can move on. I think sometimes we also, uh, we want to bombard ourselves, because we do have this uh, addiction to needing to do things and sometimes just doing less is way more but if i do less then i feel like i'm not doing anything you know <laughs> i'm in new york city it's the city that never sleeps i'm a you know results oriented competitive success driven you know person in the modern world it's hard to not do anything so i mean i do think that um you know part of why i wanted to do this show was to give people some ideas and some places um, to go to maybe get tools and support to kind of affect change. And one of the things, I go back to the Tim Ferriss book, um, because again, his measure of success was how little work you had to do. And part of the um, advice that he gives is twofold. One is to just simply set your work hours to be less time each day. And I find that if I schedule things, then I can schedule time to do nothing. Or I can schedule time to be off my phone. And there are a bunch of apps that will do that for you. <laughs> there are apps that, you know, will cut your internet connectivity for a period of time every day. You can put the do not disturb on your phone. You can just set your timer and say from, you know, 1:30 to 2 p.m. I'm going to read or meditate or not do this. And then that sort of, I think, gives people the, um, the allows them to disconnect. Do you, how do you give, empower your clients to take the time to do nothing? Um, I usually give them challenges that will take them away from technology. Um, I'm very much into using the body as a way to engage the mind and the, the soul. So one of the challenges it would be to take a cold shower um, when you first wake up. Because that's a nice way, instead of immediately jumping onto your, your smartphone, um, to really, it, it serves a few purposes. One, it, it, by doing that, uh, it actually builds your immune system. It really cultivates your willpower. 
and it does put you very much in the present moment. So when you know you can do something like it's cold in New York City and you take a cold shower, um, you're able also to deal with the stressors of life and to have the discipline of not constantly being on your phone. Yeah, I'm thinking about, like, do I have the discipline to do that, to jump into a cold shower <laughs> in the morning? I don't know. Maybe I'll see if I... I'll, you never know till you I'll, try. Maybe you have to try it tomorrow <laughs> or put it on my calendar and say, today's the day you take the plunge. Um, the other thing that he suggests was in the absence of you answering an email or answering a text or picking up the phone or being you know, there all the time, you put trust in the people around you to handle their business and do what they need to do. So not to say that you want to ignore people, but if you're at work and you answer your email in the morning and then the evening, you let people know that they need to solve their own problems. And I think it's okay to rely on people around you or on apps and, you know, things like that to help you maintain your side and then empower them to do the work that they need to do in between. You also mentioned something about uh, an email responder saying that, you know, you're, you're not going to be at the work at this time. So that it just kind of lets people know that they'll, their emails will be checked and they'll get it, they'll get um, responded to at a specific time. Do, how do you tell people or help people kind of let go? Because what we have gotten used to with technology is being a part of every single thing, every moment of all the day. Yeah. Um, another advice I would give people <laughs> is, is uh, a few things. One is, uh, again, using the body as a way to engage the mind and the soul. Um, yelling. And I don't know how you feel about this, but screaming is a very... Um, primal, powerful way to let go of stagnant chi, as we say. So, you know, let's say you're on the, the smartphone and you get one stressful email after another. If you just take a deep breath, ah, and you just let it out, ah, right? You can feel right away viscerally what happens. It's a, it's a release. So when you talk about letting go, sometimes breathing out, it's a, it's a strong breath out. It's called, actually, if you want, guys want to look into it, it's called the primal scream. And it's a nice way to not let stress build up and I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's something you can laugh at and be laughed at. So, but would you do that in public or <laughs> with other people around you? And this is not something you're not yelling at somebody. Not you're, at just, some, you're just You're yelling. just making, right. you're vocalizing. And right. So sometimes a, I'll, I'll tell people to, to put something on and sing along at the top of your lungs too. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, sometimes I will tell people to go and do it in public because that's something, they, a fear that they should address if they feel uncomfortable at that. Um, be a little weird and let loose a little more. Be a little weird and let loose a little more. Okay. Okay, so there are a lot of things that you're talking about that even imagining myself doing them makes me a little bit uncomfortable. The cold shower, the, yeah. you know, kind of yelling in public. I'm imagining myself like on the subway making a loud <laughs> ha noise and everybody kind of taking two steps back. <laughs> so what, what would be the problem with that, right? So you, you get this fear of judgment and uh, I think... By doing something, and another strategy I give to my clients is do something every day that makes you uncomfortable. Because when you do that, you're facing your fear and you realize it's, a, it's your own um, phenomena that you've given power to. And when you do something like make yourself uncomfortable, like screaming in the middle of the <laughs> New York City street, you realize it's not that big of a deal. 
So then you realize it's not that big a deal. So a lot of what you're talking about is sort of going to what we think are extremes, like not checking your email in the morning or making a loud, funny noise in you know, the middle of the subway car or taking a really cold shower. When you first hear them, they seem to be extreme actions. But I guess if you do them and nothing extreme happens, then they're kind of okay. Totally okay. And I also think so it's, it's okay to be expre- to express emotion. It's okay to not check your email all the time. Yeah. And it's a nice, healthy return to balance. You know, actually all these um, tips that I'm giving, they're, they're ancient practices. They've withstood the test of time, right? It's on a genetic level ingrained in us to move and to yell and to be alive. And I'm hoping that this discussion will encourage the listeners to feel again, to connect with what it means to be alive with their body and their soul and their mind. I had also, someone had told me, and perhaps it was a a yoga teacher, that if you were having a really stressful moment, to try and go to a place and see and and do tree pose, because (laughs) it's virtually impossible to do tree pose, which if you don't practice yoga, tree pose is basically standing on one leg, putting your uh, palms together, you know, sort of like over your heart or above your head. And then you put one, you pick up one foot and you put the other foot at your knee. So it kind of makes a triangle. You almost look like a ballerina or something like that. So you're balanced on one foot with one foot resting against your knee with your hands up in the air. And if you're stressed or angry or upset, you cannot balance. Wow. And that if you could go and then get into tree pose and stand there for a moment and have that like equanimity, then that would sort of bring calm back to you. I love that. Maybe uh, couple that with the yell, uh, do it in the middle of the streets in New York City or on the subway. <laughs> That'll be great. Talk about being uncomfortable, but I love that. Yeah. It engages your, your physiology, right? Your breath. And it, it gets you off technology for that brief minute or two. So we go through our day and I think the reality is, and even for you, you use Square and email yeah. and have a website, um, which is pkalexander.com. So certainly not recommending that people completely abolish technology, but you get to the end of your day. Are there ways to end your day the same way you started your day to kind of bring a, a, a close to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, psychotherapy calls the realm of sleep, the subconscious mind. In Chinese medicine, we say it's the realm and the affect of your heart. So I would suggest anywhere between 30 to 40 minutes before going to bed, have a routine and make decompressing from all electronics part of that routine. Um, and then just like in the morning, start to list off all the things you can be grateful for. Gratitude is such an amazing emotion to cultivate. Um, and then just go over your day and list in your mind what are the good things that happened to me today right so you begin to feel that emotion so you can go to bed restful um, I just this morning I treated a client who um, you know he emails his clients his clients uh, right before he goes to bed and then he's waking up an hour or two later still in his mind emailing them um, get off get offline about 30 minutes before you go to bed and I think also going back to paper or going back to something analog, yeah. if you keep a to-do list or a calendar that you can jot things down, you know, at the end of the day, 
and take a look at what your day is going to have tomorrow or write down things you don't want to forget or cross off the things that you did that day, then I think you also have the peace of mind that you've checked that box and taken care of those things. And then maybe that will also alleviate the desire to, you know, want to look one last time at your schedule, want to look one last time at your email. It's beautiful. I love the idea of putting it on paper because there's also energy involved. There's a cathartic release. You know, we have a lot of, uh, at these distal points at our fingertips, we have a lot of meridians. And by writing um, down, it actually encourages a release of energy there too. So, and, and like you said, looking at a piece of paper, it'll give you that comfort without having to go online for it. What about the actual sleeping and waking up? There are so many apps now where you put it under your pillow and it tracks your sleep or people use their phones now to wake up and it's the last thing you see because you're turning on your alarm and it's the first thing you see yeah, would, because you're, yeah. you know, your alarm's waking you up. I would really encourage all the listeners and ourselves to not keep the phone within six feet of us. Keep it at least six feet away from us. Um, if you have any um, doubt about this, just Google electromagnetic radiation off cell phones. And there's really alarming studies that are coming out now about how all, and we talked about this before the break, that our... Uh, a lot of uh, serious pathology can arise from having these contraptions. And it's not necessarily the phone itself. It's the the waves that are coming in as it's receiving. Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, exactly. Wi-Fi and the the most powerful 5G network (laughs) that covers the nation. So I've also, um, one thing I've also considered is the actual sleep cycle itself. And so many things that I read from um, good training habits for athletes to good, you know, sleep habits for life. Talk about letting your body wake up naturally. Is, is that even feasible or Absolutely. realistic to try and do in New York City? <laughs> the body loves routine and it's very adaptable through conditioning. So much so that if you were to go to bed every night at the same time, within two weeks, your body has adapted 10 minutes before the desired time, your body will naturally begin to secrete the melatonin, the sleep hormone. Um, If you eat your meals at the same time, um, two weeks of of that conditioning, your body will begin to release digestive enzymes before the the specific desired time. So yes, your body will absolutely uh, adapt and be able to get up on its own once you get used to doing it. How does your body get up on its own though? I mean, what if you have, you know, a breakfast meeting? (laughs) (laughs) you know if it's important enough you'll get up right on its own it's just um i think it's just conditioning and less of a reliance one of the points you brought up in our discussion last week is you know when you and i went to concerts when we were kids um we didn't have smartphones and we would be at a concert with thousands of people and we would find our friends right and now we have the reliance of cell phones we find a way where there's a will there's a way right yeah yeah and also your body just sort of naturally wakes up when it's ready to. Yeah, or it needs to. Yeah. yeah. Some people might discover they need more than the sleep that they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're coming close to being out of time, and I typically ask people for advice at the end of the show, but I feel like this entire show has been about, you know, advice and, and things for the listeners to follow. Let's just do a quick recap of if you want to sort of make small changes throughout the course of your day to free yourself a little bit from your technology, starting with getting up in the morning, 
the quick steps you would quick go steps. Through. So you wake up in the morning, take some deep breaths, start to acknowledge all the things you can be grateful for. Um, continue to breathe, move around a little bit. Ask yourself, what do you want today? Connect with yourself, right? Then deal with what you have to deal with. One of the things I didn't discuss, which I think is great, is when you're eating, don't get on the, the smartphone. Um, practice mindful eating, right? When you sit down to eat, enjoy and savor each bite. Be very present with what you're eating. Um, when you're walking around, uh, try not to be on the, the smartphones. Try to observe and pay attention to your environment. And at the end of the day, um, again, start to list off all the things that you're grateful for and the things that made you happy. Stop uh, using the technology about 30 minutes before you go to bed. Yeah. And then I would add in, you know, there's a bunch of, um, there are a lot of apps and techno- there's a lot of technology out there to help you get off the technology. And I think there's a big difference between passing something up and not doing it even if you were supposed to or making a decision to not do something. So if part of, I think part of what people need on the day-to-day is they like structure, they like a plan, they like a program. You know, structure your day so that you are doing something specific in each of those moments. So like Paul says, when you're eating, that's your eating time. And then schedule time to work out and schedule time to walk and then schedule time to be on your email and on Facebook and you know, on the computer and on YouTube and, you know, watching TV. The same, when, when I was a kid, we were allowed to watch TV, but only at certain times of the day. We could watch an hour on Saturday morning. We could watch an hour before we went to bed and maybe, time, you know, an hour after school. But it was always extremely specific. It wasn't like all the time. And our psychology appreciates that. That's how we can find and formulate balance. And balance, I think, also is the key. Yes. Balance. So if you are interested in learning more about how to disconnect a little bit from your technology and uh, some balance in life, pkalexander.com is Paul's website. It's a great place to go. He is a wonderful person, very generous, and he has often little seminars and scheduled things at his studio, which I have been to a few and I really enjoyed them. If you are interested in focusing all your attention on podcasting and learning more about food and tech, go to heritageradionetwork.org. All the shows are there. We have thousands and thousands of shows. And if you really like them, Heritage Radio Network is member-supported network, which means we are a 501c3 charity, a not-for-profit, and we need you to make radio. So... Visit the website, click the beating heart, and, you know, throw us a couple bucks. Throw us what you spent on coffee today. What was that, like seven bucks for a latte? <laughs> Send us that. We can make more radio. I want to thank Paul for coming out thank to you. Brooklyn to talk to us today about disconnecting from our tech. Cider Week NYC for sponsoring. Rec Tech for the music. And stay tuned. After this show, we have a clip from Japan Eats. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. You know, that's one of the one, most wonderful things that I realized about Japanese culture when I started going there. Because you can, you can look at it on a macro level of the whole, the whole country. It's a, it's a we society as opposed mm-hmm. to, I consider certainly New York to be more of a me society. Mm-hmm. And by we society, I mean, it's, it seems like people have made this agreement. Okay, we all have to live together on this little island. Mm-hmm. So let's make agreements 
so that it all goes smoothly and will ways to behave that uh, will sort of lubricate the social uh, uh, contacts and mm. make things more agreeable. And people, by and large, go by that. On episode 17 of Japan Eats with Akiko Katayama, Chef Michael Romano observes that the differences between the restaurants in the U.S. and Japan are not only in the food, but in the overall culture. You don't mm. see the kind of open conflicts or conflagrations that you do here. Mm. That's classic. Like on mm. Subway... You oh. know, in the morning, it's impossible. Millions of millions of people can have to get on the subway <laughs> at the same time. So they create a little system, yeah. you know, this block of people yeah. of, uh, you know, lining up. Mm -hmm. And then the train by train, they yeah. move to the They're so good at lines. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They really understand lines. And they have, now they have the um, women-only subway cars in the morning. Mm, right. Because of the problem of, you know, un unwanted mm -hmm. touching. And so they have... <laughs> cars reserved just for women. It's a mm. cool idea. <laughs> they know how to survive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I think you, you told me also that uh, you're surprised there's no dishwasher in the shop. In our, yeah, there was no, I don't think it's atypical either. There's no dishwasher, no pot washer. So the, the cooks are, are washing the pots as they go. And the someone from the dining room staff is manning the dishwashing machine mm. uh, during the service. So it's like one of the, they take turns. Right. For more on New York and Japan's different values expanding into their kitchens, tune into the full episode on heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit organization broadcasting over 30 live shows a week. To learn more and donate, visit our website or connect with us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram for more. Thanks for listening.